0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent.
1: Hey, what's going on guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 70. At the end of the episode, we will have Ain't No Messiah, chapter 19. That's narrated by Rick Cheddar. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the book. Um, I believe I'm actually going to reach out to Rick uh, about possibly doing Beyond Brightside, which is almost ready for the audiobook. Um, I think he did a fantastic job with Messiah. I like his other work and... He is one of the few people, like, there were almost no mistakes in this entire audiobook. Uh, let me know if you guys caught any, but I didn't catch any going through the whole thing, or there was, like, one or two. Uh, so, very professional. I think he did a great job editing it. And I think he could probably do a pretty good job of copying Joel, Joe's voice from the first bright side. So... We will see how that goes, Um, but yeah, so today we have chapter 19. It's a long one, 28 minutes, so I don't think we will do um, anything from Untold Mayhem. You guys are going to have to wait on that, Uh, but the good news is only five more weeks before um, we'll be able to start that up. So, uh, man, a lot's gone on this week. It's been awesome. I honestly haven't been this motivated in a very long time. Uh, part of it is having... I'm just taking things a lot more professionally now. Um, I was reading a good motivational book on Why Authors Fail. It's a really quick book. Uh, lots of the things I've, I've read before. But um, it's got me motivated. So I'm now taking breaks. When I do have writing time, I'm making sure I take breaks. Uh, five to ten minutes in between each hour to do a little workout. Uh, The other day, I was doing push-ups and pull-ups, at least five sets uh, throughout the day, making sure to continue uh, exercising. That's helping with my creativity. Um, I've hired someone that's helping with um, online marketing, Uh, my friend Donna. She's going to be helping. Right now, she's reaching out to all kinds of reviewers, so we're really going to be pushing reviews. Uh, She also redesigned the website. So my website, marktulius.com, is completely redesigned. Check that out. Hopefully, it is much more, uh, it's easier to navigate, I'm sure. And it probably looks a lot better. Uh, I was doing everything myself before, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So um, and that's one of the other things I got from the book is hiring professionals to do the things that you can't. Um, one of those things that I realized, very important thing, is the descriptions for the books. Um, all the Amazon descriptions. These are things that myself, my editors, um, that we've created ourselves, looking at other examples, trying to copy them, trying to do a good job. But we are not, um, we don't have that skill set. I don't know what exactly works, how, what looks best, what will draw people in. And so that's why I just hired someone to redo all, well right now I think they are doing eight of my books. And then if they do a good job, I'll also give them Beyond Brightside. Uh, but they got incredible reviews, so I'm sure they're going to do a good job. So I'm feeling good about that. Um, another big change I made is, uh, well not a big change, but I think last week I mentioned the rules. The short story I want to put out. Um, not ready for me to rule, to read yet, and I'm still going to look into hiring and a narrator for it. But what I did do is I hired a uh, an artist, uh, my friend Brian Ochoa. He's worked on some other stuff for me. I know he can do an incredible job with it. Um, I want to get a lot of eyes on the story. It's to draw in uh, new email subscribers because this story will only be given to uh, newsletter subscribers. So it's a way to uh, real. as a story I really want to get out there. If I did the drawing myself, um, I could probably make it look... Okay, but it's still not going to look very good. I am not an artist. I'm not a I'm not that kind of artist um, And so that's why I was like well for a short, you know a little bit amount of money I can go ahead and hire him. He'll do an incredible job. It'll make people it will draw more and more people in um, And because who really cares if I draw it myself, right? So I think that was more of an ego thing uh, wanting to do the cover myself And I realized no that doesn't make the most sense so I hired him. That should be ready this week. Um, still playing bass. Uh, still enjoying that a little bit more than guitar. Just hit level 8 on musician. But I have to admit that is with a pick. I am awful without the pick. Um, so as soon as I get to a a really hard level. Uh, I'm going to go back and just relearn it. with uh, Just by plucking. Just with my fingers. So no pick when I go back through it. Um, and what's awesome about that is it's just another fun thing to learn so I don't care how good I'm getting at it uh, just like with German it doesn't matter that I'm becoming proficient like my goal isn't to become an expert at the language I want to learn a little bit every day is I'm I'm challenging myself I'm working my brain that's the goal uh, it gives me something so instead of playing a video game I can spend 10 minutes on Duolingo or another app you know and I uh, Just slowly, slowly learn. Um, The big thing I got going on is uh, because not only am I motivated to be very successful as an author, but I'm finally going to uh, get to the weight that I want to be at, a much healthier weight. I've always been a bigger guy, Um, anywhere between 220 to 275, pretty much since High school. Um, There was one time I dropped to 205 for a fight and that was god awful. I dropped like 40 pounds in a month and it was just it was an awful experience awful fight. Um, And uh, I did it once for a jiu jitsu match. And I believe I did get down to 205 but then I immediately went back up to my my walking weight. Um, but it was the trip to the beach last week, or however many days ago, uh, 4th of July, that convinced me. I was like, no, there's no reason why I need to be like this. And uh, so I had to take a look at what I've been doing. Uh, what are the easiest ways to cut? What do I want to do? So I made my goal. My goal is to get to 205 by my birthday, which is August 19th. Um, but then my the real goal is to maintain it for until September 19th. So Um, This is something I am trying to create a habit. I'm trying to create a new me and by uh, For extra motivation. I went ahead and posted some photos on uh, Facebook and YouTube and I got some friends to either join me in the challenge or bet me that I would fail Um, One of my friends uh, Dr. Mike Simpson He bet me that he would give up beer for a month if I lose I mean if I win if I manage to achieve my goal but if I lose, I am giving up cannabis. So, I am highly motivated. Giving up cannabis isn't for a month isn't a bad deal. I should probably do it. Um, I generally do it like in October, but I don't feel like doing it right now. Not while the kids are home full time. So, uh, that's why when I am fasting, uh, it's not a big deal. Yesterday was a 21-hour fast. Um, I had zero calories from... I ate really late the night before. Uh, it was kind of a cheat day. We had friends over, uh, socially distant friends, of course. Um, so I ate a little bit. I think the last thing I ate was nine o'clock, uh, and so I didn't have any calories until six uh, o'clock last night. So I think it was twenty. Yeah, I think it was a twenty-one hour fast, um, and even then, I wasn't that hungry. I I could have gone the full twenty-four hours, no problem. Um, all I did was I was drinking tons of water that's mixed with apple cider vinegar and a little bit of stevia And that was enough to keep me cool throughout the entire day um, And that's with doing a yoga workout and some light swimming So this morning still haven't eaten. I uh, won't eat until tonight and uh, We'll see how I feel. I'm not going to be stupid about it. I'm going to um I, I don't want to burn myself out so i'm not going to be too strict on myself but uh yeah right now i'm feeling good um the other big thing is it's also saving me a shitload of money um i just started this uh a jar a donation jar um every day that i'm not buying because my typical my typical thing was buying two uh yerba mates a day uh, and those have organic sugar in them but it's like 120 grams of sugar or something like that, or 160. Um, so there'd be two of those. And then uh, sometimes I would also have an, uh, another energy drink on top of that. So I would be having an unhealthy amount of caffeine. And in addition to that, um, that's costing like about $10 a day. So my habit, uh, this addiction, is costing me 10 bucks a day. doesn't sound like a lot. You know, you probably spend that on Starbucks or whatever else. But Man, I do that every day, so that's $3,500, right? Or $3,600. Uh, to me, that is not okay. So what I started doing, I'm putting, any, any day that I don't buy energy drinks or teas or anything else, I'm putting that money into a jar. So, so far, over eight days, um, I've saved like 76 bucks. Uh, 76 bucks is in the jar. And that takes into account that I bought a bag of Yerba Mate to brew myself because there's no calories. Uh, that was like 16 bucks, but that'll last me a long time and then there were two days that I did have one energy drink So that was deducted from that amount, but I'm going to uh, just save up and then when at the end of the year um, The family will decide who we're going to donate it to whether it's a family that we know that's in need or It's a batter women's shelter or you know toys for kids or whatever. I'm not sure but that is my new goal so just extra motivation. Looking for, I think it's important to have reasons to do things. This will be a daily reminder. This jar is going to be a daily reminder for me. Like, okay, yeah. Not only am I doing what I said I was going to do. I'm not bringing in these substances that are, you know, not good for me. The sugar's not good for me. Preservatives aren't good for me. I don't need them. It's not necessary. It's a bad habit that I created. I want to break it, and something awesome is going to come out of it. not only not only giving the money to someone. Uh, will be good for them, but it's going to feel good for us, and I'm going to teach my kids a good lesson uh, We're doing allowances with them and making them start to sh- put some of the money into some. The majority of the money they can spend if they want or they can save um, But then the third jar is a share jar uh, And so again, they're going to, every week they got to put at least a dollar or two And uh, at the end of the year, we'll figure out who we're going to donate it to Um Speaking of just overall ideas, uh, there was something I wrote the other night. Um, I got, man, I got tons of ideas. Uh, but this was a this was kind of a cool one. This was just me thinking about like, okay, what do I need to do or what would I like to do as my new habits? Um, one of them will be a very cool feature. It's going to be good for social media. It'll be good for me to just get comfortable in front of the camera. Uh, but I want to start reviewing, um, books, all the books that I've read. Like I have almost every Stephen King book here. Um, I've only done a couple reviews on Goodreads. I was like, but why don't I just do them real quick? I could, you know, maybe spend a day looking at the book, going through it, thinking about my memories, which stories I liked best. Um, and that might be kind of fun to, uh, you know put those videos out there short videos and ask others you know like how did my stories favorite stories compare to yours how were your feelings on this book what scenes stuck out for you um so I'm going to do that with all the Stephen King books uh maybe the Dean Kuntz books if I remember but I also have Chuck's books uh Fight Club and all those um all the health books I've been reading so I was like that is one of my goals But then that made me think about, okay, well, what else am I doing every day? Uh, Exercise, 100% is one of them. I need to do, at the very minimum, if I don't do anything else, I'm going to be doing those five sets a day of at least two to three different exercises. Um, And then uh, keep cutting out sugars, keep fasting, keep breathing, uh, the deep breathing. I think that's huge. I've been doing a lot of stuff in the sauna where I work on my breathing, uh, stretching, trying to get more flexible. Uh, Stay happy, stay aligned. I realize... That's one of the big ones when my neck goes out um, I am not as I'm nowhere near as good of a mood uh, could be a little irritable I can tell something's off i don't feel as creative I got adjusted last week got put back into place and now I feel awesome uh, also keep playing music keep swimming keep hugging and kissing Sex. Uh, keep learning German uh, increase yoga and especially the yin yoga I'm realizing I, I need more of that um, That's kind of a nice thing I do at night, not every night, but uh, yin yoga, just put on a nice relaxing DVD stretch. But then like ideally you would also be mindful, I guess during it and really concentrate on it. But what I like to do is a blend of that and reading through whatever I'm working on. Right now it's been the pandemic. Um, And just that way, if I have any thoughts or ideas, I can write it down. So I'm kind of killing two birds at once. Um, But yeah, so that's all been awesome Uh, Other things that are going to be happening on uh, the writing side I'm going to be giving out uh, Bright Side will be permanently free Uh, That's what I'm going to be trying to figure out this week Is how to make it permanently free Beyond Brightside is almost ready We're going to put that up for pre-order soon And so I think that'll just be a nice way to bring in new readers Uh, Give them Bright Side for free Hopefully they'll want to check out Try Not to Die in Bright Side And Beyond Brightside um, And Beyond Brightside is going to be available for you guys early readers people who listen to the show or new uh, Newsletter subscribers will get a uh, free copy of that to uh, review Want to get as many reviews as possible before we release it uh, That's huge Alright guys, we are ready for another segment of The great the good the okay and the holy shit this book is terrible Uh, Right now we are, I'm pulling reviews off of Amazon for Ain't No Messiah. Uh, We're going to start with the worst. So these are, luckily there are only three, no one star reviews, thank goodness, uh, and only three two star reviews. Today we're going to go with Teresa. Uh, She put, it started out as a good idea. Um, She received the book for free, Uh, this type of book is normally right up my alley, but I gave this story... Uh, I give the story to be a long and winding road, too winding for me. The story starts out interestingly enough, but doesn't paint a clear enough picture. Then it skips around and around with bits of information, I'm assuming, to keep you hooked, but it bored me. It took me way too long to get through this book. I like the idea, the story net map, just not the way the story was told." Very legitimate. Um, I get that. Thank you, Teresa, for uh, sharing your opinion and sharing the review uh right joy so now we're going with the uh okay which is three stars uh, joy says uh sometimes you can't fight it great beginning really interesting concept it got kind of mired down into gross violent weird and dysfunctional details my favorite parts uh, came down to one simple idea which was really was flawed after all they did manage to crucify jesus and render him clinically dead for several days This turned out to be the story of one guy's life to date and it's an interesting life strange it made me sorry for him seems like he missed out on a lot also did a lot however anyway uh, so that was it so she says she was given a free copy in return for a review so thank you joy for leaving that Uh, here we go now we're getting into the good stuff definitely a lot more four and five star reviews than anything else there's a four star review uh, from Kendall customer no name uh, I got this book from a Goodreads giveaway ultimately a pretty decent coming-of-age story of a kid with crazy cult parents that throw him in the middle of their weird something uh, definitely earned an extra star for the ending which hinted at a second book there would be a second book uh, the real question would I buy book two I'm not so sure not a lot actually happened in book one, and there are better things to read than one near-death experience after another. I'd have to see a preview to see if there's any plot involved in the sequel. Wow. No, there is. Um, I don't know. I think, I think book two would probably, she'll probably l- enjoy book two a little bit more. Not nearly as many near-death experiences. It's with a different character as well. So, um, Joshua is not in book two. Um, And then let's do one more, that was a short one. All right, so now we got Mallory A. Haas uh, from the Haunted Reading Room Reviews. She put psychopathological abuse and religious mania, a childhood of terrific abuse, physical, psychological, emotional, religious, and a lifetime of near fatal, should have been fatal accidents. Is it coincidence or divine miracle? Is Joshua just lucky or is he indestructible? A rolling exposure of religious mania and peeling off layers of psychological, psychopathological child abuse spirals into an explosive, heart stopping conclusion. All right, so that was cool. Thank you very much, Mallory. And now for the great stuff. Let me get to it. Let me get to it. All right, so these are people that wanted, that thought it deserved a five star rating. Uh, First, we have up. Corey Henson, who I know. Uh, he, um, he's a friend through Facebook, a uh, friend of, of my friend's family. Um, he put five stars, a great read. It's a very a unique emotional journey. Without giving away any spoilers, it's easy to fall into periods of self reflection while reading this book. You can see aspects of the characters which appear to be the author's self portrayal. He found me out. Uh, this makes the book more immersive due to the characters feeling real and not just a work of fiction. Are you at a crossroad in your life? Have you been reflecting on the past and the decisions you've made in your life? Do you just need a good damn book to read? If you said yes to any of the above, I'd really give this book a read. Plus, you won't break the bank with the $2.99 ebook price tag. Uh, I personally am a purist and had to get the paper back. Thank you, Corey, for that. I appreciate it. I'm glad you really enjoyed it. That's cool. And last one from Karina. Five stars. Abuse, violence, and sex. Mm Mm-hmm. She put, This story was super intense with the main character being abused, manipulated, and betrayed at every turn of his life by a horrible father and an indifferent mother that was also in many ways broken by her husband. The story also shows how people as a whole can bring out the worst in themselves when they have blindly followed any type of religion or cause, and we've seen this throughout our history. I really like this book because it brings out many issues that today in society avoid speaking of or try to make it taboo and thinking we'll be, we'll be offending others. Excellent. Thank you, Karina. That is awesome. If you guys have left reviews, I sincerely appreciate it. Good, bad, great, shitty, whatever. Uh, it definitely helps because even if you don't like the book and you give it a terrible rating, that's going to let someone else know to avoid it. So if they don't like you know, bad language or death scenes or whatever else, so thank you guys very much thank you for listening here is chapter 19 of ain't no messiah all right guys talk to you next week later
0: chapter 19 if the church of his son had been a publicly traded organization all of wall street would have been buying Our trajectory was ridiculous, the increase in social media followers and book sales over the last three months climbing a steep slope. Every Sunday service was packed to capacity, and the ones that I participated in guaranteed our meeting hall would be filled with the spillover watching on a big screen. Jeremy had been the one to suggest the TVs, both the massive one in the meeting hall and the even bigger one hanging above the cross. He said all the hip Los Angeles churches were doing it, turning their services into multimedia events pumping up congregations and putting them in the mood to give. The screen was black, difficult to see from my chair on the side that used to be Paul's unless I leaned forward. Father stood behind the pulpit, winding down his sermon. He'd been preaching the importance of vengeance, why everyone should fear sinning and be prepared to pay the consequences. The Messiah was meant to cast judgment, knock down evildoers and dispatch them to hell. The thundering applause told me that Father was finished. The blank screen blinked to life, a loud crack like lightning as the title flashed across the screen, struck by the hand of God. The music kicked in, heavier than anything I'd heard in church. The footage was eight years old, my giant head taking up the entire frame, a close-up of my face before most of the damage. Sweat flew from my forehead, my eyes narrowed, everything twisted into a scary mask of rage. The camera pulled back and showed me punching the canvas heavy bag without a shirt on, a deep purple blossom with a branch had torn through. The video had been before any real training, and my form was embarrassing, but still probably better than any other weaklings watching. And how I wished I could move like that again. The video slowed and zoomed in close for each thud, my body knuckles leaving their mark with every strike. The film sped up with the music to match the black and red strobe effect added between each blast, making me wonder if anyone watching might have a seizure and stroke out. On the next punch, the image on the screen froze, then tore in two, each half dissolving to reveal me a year later, standing in the dorm's hallway, paused so no one could see me swaying. The music built as the video went to the bully's face, the rage turning his face into a demon's. The standoff came to life. My fist connecting with his mouth, knocking him off his feet. Blood and spit flying. slow motion. The next scene I had yet to watch, but Jeremy assured me it had come out great. We discussed if we should share the clip, but Father said it was the clearest message we could send. Case was closed. He told us no need to worry about any lawsuits. It had happened only three weeks before Paul and I exiting the back of the church after meeting with Father. Jeremy had been filming all day. This clip... "'starting with the opening of that door. "'Jeremy had been in front of us to the left, "'capturing Paul's smile and my scowl "'as we headed for our cars. "'The camera jerked to the left "'and caught a man in blue jeans and a white T-shirt burst out of the bushes "'and sprint for us, "'something that looked like a machete in his right hand. "'Paul stood his ground and held out his hand, "'commanded the man to stop. "'His words had no effect, "'but I was already rushing the guy. "'The guy looked confused by my attack "'and took too long raising the blade.' My fist, cracking his jaw, snapping back his head, laying him out on the concrete. A dark red puddle formed his halo. The music faded as the screen turned black, flaming red letters materializing on the screen. Fear the hand of God. Burning bright before the video ended with another crack of lightning. The congregation exploded with applause. Father quieted them by raising his arms. This... This is the strength that we need. We are not weaklings that pray for protection. We take what is ours and defend it with our lives. We strike first. We do not turn our cheek. We hit back a hundred times harder. Mercy is not in our vocabulary, only retribution. A chorus of amens and hallelujahs filled the room. And Father said, on this most powerful occasion, the Messiah and I will bless two of the strongest men we know. "'the men who will help turn this world "'into the wonderful place it was destined to be. "'Now, now I ask all of you to bow your heads "'and offer your prayers to these brave souls. "'Paul Campbell and Senator Burkhart, "'please rise and step forward. "'Take your places before the Lord Almighty "'and his most benevolent Son.'" I turned my head to watch Paul get up from the first pew on the left, the senator from the one on the right, Every seat in the house was taken. People lining the walls, a camera crew in each aisle and one on the balcony. The Christian network granted special access for their generous support. Paul, dressed in his brand-new black suit, stood tall at the bottom of the sanctuary steps, his nose once again straight thanks to his plastic surgeon roommate, Teddy. The senator had on a blue suit, red tie, white shirt, the colors of the country he was determined to save. The senator stepped into the aisle, but leaned back in and kissed his wife on the cheek, waved to the three kids sitting on the other side of her. Father stood at the edge of the sanctuary and waved the men forward, instructed them to kneel on the first step. They obeyed, hands in prayer against their chest. My cue to stand. The nerves were still there, but just barely. More like a sense of excitement, all those eyes looking up to me instead of down on. The likes, the shares, the girls throwing themselves at me, a free one bedroom apartment, monthly stipend, and all the fringe benefits for simply showing up and filming some messages, not such a bad gig. I rarely faced the crowd, preferring to keep the palm print to the wall. When I walked down the steps, the congregation oohed and gasped. At the bottom of the stairs, I turned back to the cross, stepped between Paul and the Senator, held my arms out like a T. Father laid his left hand on Paul's shoulder and said, All of you know Paul, my second son, the boy born to watch over his brother and document his road to redemption. His dedication and sacrifice are unequal to anyone, and he will forever stand at the left hand of the father. Father's right hand rested on the senator's shoulder. Not all of you know this great man, the symbol of strength who represents our wonderful state in the senate. I've had many conversations with Senator Burkhardt about his vision and strategies, and I can assure you they are consistent with the church of his son. The man is a believer if I ever saw one. Hearing Father blatantly lie wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Jeremy had given Father the photos. The ones from the night Jeremy and I had taken the good Senator to Myrtle Beach, where he had a stripper's titty in his mouth, four of his fingers inside her— The Senator was so drunk he had no idea what was going on, but I couldn't fathom how Father forgave him. Father went on and on about what an incredible job Burkhart was doing, what he'd done for the military contractors in our state, strengthening our country by doing so. He brought up the bills Burkhart drafted, thanked him for the funds he'd raised to buy our church, and when it seemed like he couldn't praise him any more, Father said, and it is with the utmost pleasure that I am honored to announce that Senator Burkhart is running for and will become... The next president of the United States. The church roared with their approval. I couldn't see with my back to them, but it sounded like the four of us up front were the only ones not clapping. Joshua, please place one hand on each of these fine men. I could have kept my hands up another 10 minutes, but I did what he said, Paul flinching at my touch. Father asked me to join him in prayer, so I played along. Mouthed the magic words that transformed Paul and the Senator "'into the two most blessed individuals in the world. "'Jeremy arrived at my apartment with his film crew a little after lunch. "'He told the guys to set up in the living room. "'We'd use the couch for the main scene, record there while we had the natural light. "'He turned to me and said, "'Nice place. Care to show me the rest?' "'Yeah, man, of course.' I wasn't sure, you know, seeing as how I haven't been invited over before. I said, you know how it is. Led him down the hallway, pointed out the bedroom. I sure do. He peeked his head in and said, damn, black satin sheets. Look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. I almost said I didn't pick them, but didn't want to bring up his sister. Jeremy walked around the room, studied the bed from every angle. We can shoot one scene with you sitting on the edge facing that way. Yeah, this will be excellent. Think we'll be able to get it all done today? We have to if we want to get this thing out in time for Christmas. I asked Jeremy if he had my lines. He walked into the bedroom and said, Yeah, but most of it is more like talking points. You're going to have to ad-lib a bit. You sure that's smart? Jeremy craned his neck to look at the mirror. Sure thing. We'll clean it all up. make Make it sound awesome. He asked me to stand in front of the sink, my upper body and face filling the mirror. This is great, he said. I got the perfect scene for right here. Having my own documentary was kind of cool and helped bear my initial reaction of wanting to hide my face. Father said it was time to show the world who I really was, scars and all. Jamie went back to the bedroom and said, You mind getting the guys something to drink? I'll be right here. Just want to frame this thing. I got four bottled waters from the kitchen and handed them out. Jeremy returned from the bedroom, double-checked everyone's equipment, and repositioned the camera three times before finally saying he was ready. I'd been told to wear whatever I wanted, but I felt kind of foolish in basketball shorts and a boring black t-shirt. Should I change? Nah, man, you're straight. Let's go. Let's do this. I said I was game, and Jeremy set the scene, told me we were going to start with my history, retrace my footsteps. After a handful of false thoughts on my end, I got into a rhythm and nailed three sentences in a row, telling them the city and state I grew up in. I had just begun describing the first church inside our garage when the front door opened and killed the recording. Danielle stood frozen in the doorway key in hand. I said, Hey, hon, wasn't expecting you until tomorrow. What is this? Why is he here? Jeremy said, Nice to see you, too. I didn't get why she was so upset. What's wrong? I told you we were planning on doing a documentary. Danielle stepped inside and slammed the door shut behind her. You never said anything about filming here. I knew I had, most likely, while she was scrolling through her phone and didn't really hear me. Well, this is where we decided it'd be best. We? Having all those eyes on me made it harder to keep my voice down. What's the big fucking deal? This is my apartment. Danielle humped and threw her key, nailed me in the chest. She was halfway out the door when Jeremy said, Thanks, now, would you mind closing that behind you? Danielle spun around and launched her purse at his head, shit flying everywhere. Get the fuck out of here. I jumped off the couch and got in front of her, not sure how Jeremy might react. Danny, what are you doing? The purse lay a foot in front of Jeremy. He kicked it away and laughed. Holy shit, nice to see you're off your meds again. I turned toward Jeremy and said, come on. Danielle ducked under my arm and kicked out the leg of the camera's tripod. Darren, the sound guy, caught it a split second before it smashed on the floor. Jeremy was no longer laughing. You stupid cunt, you got any idea how much that cost? I stood between them. Danielle's face, bright red in anger I'd never witnessed. She screamed. You didn't fucking pay for it and I wouldn't give you one shit if you had. That's because you're a psycho bitch. Danielle leapt at Jeremy, her slap only missing because I held her back. I shouted, that's enough. Jeremy said, yeah, get your shit and get out. Danielle was a hair away from hysterical. Me? Me? I'm not going anywhere. I took hold of Danielle's shoulders and led her down the hallway. Hating that I sounded like father, I said, get in the bedroom now. She tried saying no, but I didn't care and closed her in. From the end of the hallway, Jeremy said, she's got to go. We can't film with her here. Dude, we're going to have to do it another day. Through the door, Danielle shouted, Not here! Nice, real fucking nice, Jeremy said. Charles is going to be pissed. Only because I didn't think he'd repeat it, I said, Fuck Charles! Nah, man, I get fucked enough by his son. Jammy turned his back and told the guys to grab the gear. What do you want me to do? He folded the tripod. The thing is... It doesn't matter what I want. doesn't matter what anyone wants. It's what you want. You're the Messiah. I closed the door behind them and went into my bedroom. The pillows and sheets were on the floor, clothes sticking out of the dresser drawers. Danielle bent over, looking under the bed. What are you doing? You think he dropped something? She stood, holding a pillow in hand and glared at me. Were you with him the entire time? What, are you looking for drugs? The pillow went flying across the room, knocked the only photo of us off the wall. No, forget it. I was thinking of my stash when I asked, you think he'd steal from us? She hesitated. I just don't want him over here. How hard is that to understand? Her yelling only made me louder. You're the one that always always telling me to capitalize on this. What do you think I'm trying to do? What are they paying you? Do you even know? Was it even discussed for the documentary? Yeah, I didn't know any details. That's just one of those things. What else? The audiobook? Tell me how much you've been paid for that. You see how big we're getting, Father says. As soon as we're turning a profit, everyone will feast from the table, including the dogs. I didn't get what she meant. You know they pay Jeremy more than they do you. They don't pay his rent. Plus, he's the one doing most of the work. All I got to do is repeat some words. You're their low-paid puppet. If she hadn't said it so sadly, I would have snapped and yelled something I'd regret later. I kept my mouth shut and went to the kitchen, opened the cabinet and stood there thinking that Danielle was just telling the truth, pointing out what I needed to admit to myself. I grabbed a glass and filled it with water, turned to see Danielle sit at the table, wiping away her tears. She said, I'm sorry. Can you sit down? I hated seeing her sad, but my blood was boiling mad at her but mostly at myself. I gripped the counter to still my hand and drank half the water. I'm good. Please. Danielle laid her arm across the table, offered her hand. We need to talk. I drank the rest of the water and set the glass down. I hadn't officially been dumped before, but this was how they showed it on TV. Talk or yell. Talk. I said I was sorry. I left the glass on the counter and took my seat Held her hand when she motioned for it. Her palm was hot and sweaty, her face flushed. "'So, what's going on? "'Tuesday you were all pissed off, too.' "'I know. I haven't been sleeping much, and I feel like crap.' There were dark circles under her eyes, but I'd thought it was from crying. "'Since, Mother, the idea of illness had a new hold on me. "'Are you sick?' She shook her head. "'Just stressed out, been doing a lot of thinking.' i didn't want to ask but had to about what us mainly good thinking or bad she turned her hand to hold mine with both of hers i need to ask you some questions and i need the truth of course i've got nothing to hide when you go out with my brother do you talk to other women yeah but only to be nice and what if they're nice back what then "'Where's this coming from? Did Jeremy say something? "'Do you ever kiss them or get their phone number?' "'Of course not. "'I mean, there's been a couple of times where they've given me numbers, "'but I just throw them away.' "'Right.' "'I asked her to look at me. "'I haven't lied to you. Ever.' "'When she didn't respond, I asked. "'Do you believe me?' "'She squeezed my hand and nodded, the tears flowing. "'What is it, then? What did I do?' Danielle raised her chin. You got me pregnant. Everything stopped. Nothing but her fragile face in front of me. Not at all sure about what answer I wanted to hear. And I asked. Are you being serious? Her smile was weak. But at least she was trying to look happy. You're going to be a daddy. We had never discussed what would happen if she got pregnant. Because I assumed she was on birth control. The doctor told you? She watched me closely and said she took the test twice and both times came back positive. I'm sure. So what does that mean? What do we do? Well, I guess it's up to you. What do you want to do, Josh? It's your decision, too. My mouth had dried up. I ran my tongue around it while I searched for the answer. Honestly? Danielle asked. Do you want me? More than anything. Do you want to be a father? I hadn't really thought about it. Well, you need to know soon. Do you want to be a father? Yeah, but but I got no idea how. And will you ever leave us? No, of course not. Danielle smiled and sat up straight. That's what I want too. Neither of us had said it before, but I squeezed her hand and I said, I love you. She held up her free hand and said, but I won't have the baby here. I can't. I'll have them get us a bigger place. They can afford it. No, Josh, not here, not in South Carolina, not in this church. What are you talking about? Your father scares me. Your brother scares me. It's just part of the act. This church scares me. The things they have you say scare me. Father says some sinners need to be scared. I know what he says, but that doesn't make any of it true. But everything is building up. We're about to explode. Is that what's important to you? To be famous? I didn't answer quickly, so it seemed like I was considering it. No. You sure about that? The answer was easy. You are. You and the baby. Then we have to leave, and we can't tell anyone. What about your mother? Danielle got up and hugged me tight. She'll understand. It was three weeks later, and I was in the living room holding the last cardboard box while Danielle double-checked we weren't forgetting anything. Someone knocked on the front door, but before I got there, Jeremy had already let himself in. It didn't look like he'd noticed all my personal stuff was gone, just the provided furniture remaining, but he said, Wow, you guys are fast. I pretended like everything was normal. Hey, what's up? Not much on my end, seeing how you called off. Paul had a lot planned for you today, too. Yep had stuff to do. I walked past him in the hopes he would follow me outside. Just finishing up. Sounding way too happy, Jeremy said, There she is. Get out, Danielle said from the doorway. Get out now. Nice of you to help him move. I hope you let him do all the heavy stuff. Danielle looked at me. I shook my head. Jeremy turned to me, his eyes all friendly. You should have told me you were moving. I would have been happy to help. Danielle said, what do you want? Damn, you weren't even going to say goodbye. You're cold. I said, what are you doing here? That's what I wanted to ask you guys. Charles didn't mention anything about a relocation. I said, that's because he doesn't know Paul either. So you're splitting just like that. We're just going to not say a word. Jeremy was talking to me, but Danielle said, just leave. Don't mess this up. He spun on her. Me? Mess things up? Jeremy's laugh was cruel. That's all you've done from the start. Fuck you, Jeremy. I'm a grown woman, right? I can be with whoever the hell I want. Those are your exact words. Jeremy's smile was big and scary. Yeah, those were my exact words. In fact, I remember what I was talking about. Do you? She pleaded. Stop it. Jeremy looked like he didn't want to. Like he was just itching to blurt it out. You brought it up. I got between them and said that was enough, walked Jeremy to the door. From the porch, he shouted, Can't wait to hear you explain this to Yuri. I turned to Danielle. Who's Yuri? She ran past me and flew out the door. Jeremy was walking across the small patch of grass when Danielle caught up to him, slamming her hands into his low back, knocking him flat. Jeremy covered up as he got to his feet and I pulled Danielle to the sidewalk. I said, What are you thinking? You can't. Danielle threw my hand off her. Stepped up to Jeremy, with just a foot between them. Why? Why couldn't you just let us go? One of father's town cars had backed into the driveway, boxing in my car. The tent was so dark, I didn't notice anyone sitting in the front until the passenger door opened. The guy looked about ten years older than me, black hair and a big nose and not much of a physique. He looked at Danielle like he hated her. Who the fuck is this freak? I had no idea who he was, but I'd seen all the stairs. I'd read all the comments. It didn't matter if Paul, chapter 2, verse 31 stated that anyone who took my name in vain or issued any derogatory remark about me or my likeness would burn in hell. There were people who absolutely hated me, and this guy was probably one. He clenched his fist and kept shouting, only got louder. This your boss? This the old bitch you've been taking care of? Danielle lunged at Jeremy, her nails raking his face. Asshole! She brought her arm back, but I caught it before she could fire. She screamed at me to let it go, stopped when the guy's fist slammed into the back of her head and dropped it to her knees. Jeremy shoved the guy back. "'What the fuck, Yuri?' I laid Danielle on the ground so she wouldn't move her head. Neither one of them noticed me get up. Yuri held his fist by his face, the knuckle on his right one bleeding. He asked Jeremy, "'What, you fucking her too?' Jeremy was all talk, not about to engage.' I had the slightest hesitation because it was a cheap shot, but then I cast my judgment. The fist of God, connecting with the side of Yuri's fat face, the crunch of his jaw giving way. Both feet left the ground and he came down hard on the concrete, his body stiff as a board, his right sneaker twitching faster than a dog's tail before dinner. Jeremy knelt beside Danielle, asked her if she was okay. I kicked him away and said, get that piece of shit out of here and stay the fuck out of our lives. He backed off, but remained on a knee. Is she all right? Danielle sat up one hand over her stomach. I think so. I'm sorry. Jeremy had tears rolling down the side of his face. I fucked up. I'm sorry. Danielle said. What did you expect? I wasn't thinking. I just... Jeremy shook his head. I don't have an excuse. I just don't want you to leave me. Danielle said. Only because you no longer have a place to stay. "'The church is fucking evil,' Jeremy said, his words painted with pain and contempt. "'They fucked us all up. Look at us.' Yuri moaned. Danielle was sitting up on her own, so I walked over to the guy, palmed his head with my right hand. I didn't want to know who he was or why he was mad. I wanted to pretend he was just some unfortunate fucker who hit a woman in front of me. I didn't realize how hard I was squeezing his skull until Jeremy grabbed my arm and warned I was going to pop it. I let go, and watched my imprints turn purple. I leaned over Yuri's head and whispered, I don't care who you are or what you think, but if I ever see you again, I'll fucking crucify you. Jeremy said, Okay, okay, we're leaving. He grabbed Yuri around the chest and hauled him to his feet, helped him into the back seat. He opened the driver's door, but didn't get in. Please bring me with you. I didn't know how mad I should be at him and he seemed really sorry. I said, I'll talk it over with her, but get him the fuck out now. Jeremy closed the door and lowered the window, said he'd be waiting and made a left out of the driveway. I didn't turn around right away. I didn't want to talk. I didn't, I didn't want to hear a word. Danielle was back to crying and called my name. Yeah, you said you loved me. Did you mean it? I turned around, couldn't stay upset, seeing her so torn. I did? I can explain. What, that, I, that I'm That i a fucking idiot? I never wanted to lie to you. I didn't have a choice. Give me a break, Danielle. Yuri was my husband, but I left him. He threatened to kill me if I was ever with another man. That's why I couldn't come around. I replayed as much of the conversation as I could remember, tried to figure if her story made sense. She said, that's why I never filed for divorce. He said he'd slice my face up. Why didn't you tell the cops? They wouldn't believe me. And Jeremy? We don't talk. Do you want to bring him? After what he did? He's your brother. It's your call. Maybe it'd be nice to have some family with us. Someone to help with the rent. Danielle massaged the back of her neck. If you can forgive me, then... I should forgive him. 30 minutes later, I pulled up their driveway, throwing on the brakes because Jeremy was standing in the middle of it. He had a bulging black trash bag in one hand, his camera gear in the other, a big smile of relief. You guys are awesome. I got out and opened the trunk, nodded at the house. Is he in there? Jeremy squished the trash bag into the corner. Yep, he's passed out. Wait, you guys are just going to leave and let that guy live in it? Jeremy said, Things worth absolutely nothing. He drained what little equity there was. Danielle said, It's nothing but bad memories. We should burn it down. And I said, Yeah, with that piece of shit in it. Jeremy looked to see if I was serious. Dude, are you fucking crazy? They'd come looking for all of us. Not if it looks like an accident. You got it all figured out. The cops won't want to speak to his roommate, his his wife. I blurted X to show I believed her. The look I'd said, something stupid flashed across Jeremy's face. He said, or how about the guy who completely fucked up the side of his face? They might want to talk to him. No one saw me do anything. Holy shit, let's just get out of here, Jeremy said. Fuck, I don't know who's scarier, you or your father. I slammed the trunk and shouted, He's not my father. We both looked at the house, but I'm guessing I was the only one wanting that asshole to stumble out and say something he'd regret the rest of his short life. Danielle waited in the front seat. Jeremy got in the back and said, come on, man, make a clean break. Let's put all this shit behind us. Once we hit the highway, Jeremy said, so where are we headed? Danielle said, you know damn well where we're headed. You listen to everything. Relax, I was trying to break the tension. Not every day I get to sit behind a killer. My voice was cold. Sounded half dead. Drop it.